Are you looking for a new kind of talk show? One that motivates and encourages you to follow your passions? Welcome to the Foxworth Theory with Eugenia Foxworth. You'll hear from a variety of guests from all walks of life. Now, here is your host, Eugenia Foxworth. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Foxworth Theory. I am your host, Eugenia Foxworth, and I am elated to be with all of you. This is my brand new show. It's about art, fashion, business, and entertainment. And I will be interviewing the movers and shakers from around the world, both locally, nationally, and globally. And they will be allowed to tell their stories to us. And our guest today is Tamil Robinson. Tamil Robinson is a visionary with artistic insight that came from a close-knit family in Newark, New Jersey. A true artist at heart, Tamil is focused and loyal and who has an eye for art and design. Just what I like. Please welcome Tamil Robinson. Tamil, what inspired you to get into fashion? Wow. Um, actually, the artistic side of me. And I wasn't, um, I didn't have the road or the path into fashion per se at first, because I was an artist. I was, you know, a visual artist at first, you know, the paintings, the drawings, you know, uh, going to art school all my life, pretty much. Um, that's how it actually got started. Um, it wasn't really necessarily, you know, was I, when I was a little child, you know, or even a teenager, I was saying, oh, I'm going to be a fashion designer. That kind of segued in into um, the graffiti era. And with graffiti, I was an airbrush master and I was painting on shirts and denim and things like that in my little airbrush shop that I had in Newark, New Jersey, you know, in a couple areas in the place and become, you know, uh, locally known at the time when the graffiti era was back in the, you know, early 80s into well into the 90s. So from there, airbrushing on clothing and, and you know, doing artwork, that kind of segue put me into that lane. It kind of evolved that way. Well, it didn't kind of did evolve that way magnificently. And I was able to um, evolve into, you know, into the fashion era. That's very interesting that you mentioned graffiti art. I have another cute question for you to sidetrack back. Did you ever go down to Alphabet City when all the graffiti artists met together back in that day once a year? Actually, I did not because I was pretty much like a state local. So I did go over, you know, to NYC a bit in my breakdancing days, you know, and I was the one creating the uniforms, you know, the little graffiti shirts and the tees and things like that. But I never really, you know, I never really got into the whole, you know, click sort of thing and, and going into different circles like that. I always kept kind of stayed, you know, my own circle and, you know, try to do things my own way because I, I wanted to be more original, you know, more original, you know, in my style and my art. 
And I had some great teachers from Arts High School, so I was very close-knit with them at Arts High School in Newark. So it was, you know, I, I wanted to stay more, you know, true to the art, but still have some fun with the graffiti. You know, that was the fun, that was the fun side. It wasn't the serious side. <laughs> you know, the serious side was my visual arts, my, my, my watercolors, my, my oil paintings and gouache and airbrushing on canvas, um, which I did as well. Well, that's good because you weren't hanging on the railroad tracks, climbing buildings, being chased by the police, but <laughs> you were true to form as a professional and you stuck with what you wanted. Okay, so now that we've gone through that and we're he and you're here and and I had the pleasure of meeting you, who are some of the designers? that you followed up, you know, while you were growing up, not followed up, but while you were growing up, who inspired you? Wow. Um, you know, that's kind of like a tough question, but I'm, I'm going to try to answer it as eloquently as I can. You know, I really didn't have inspiration from designers or artists per se, because my teachers at Arts High School, God rest their souls, because none of them are here. Um, they were really my inspiration as far as the fashion side coming from the, the culture we come from. We always made our own. So, I mean, we did have to buy the brands because at that time we didn't make our own brands. We didn't have the brands that were out when the whole urban you know, fashion scene hit that at that moment. So I'm going back a little bit because you said who inspired me. So that, that had to be from a start. So from there, it was more so we made our own style. So, of course, there were the polo shirts. They were, you know, the, the tank tops and the different things that we did to make our own style. But I wasn't really into the names at the time, although my mother and my uncles, they were the real dressers. So they bought the designer clothes. So I kind of like emulated my uncles. You know, they had the whole pimp style thing going on. You know, they had they had their whole thing like laid out. It wasn't really. Like it was more of the pimp styles. It was more of like the flashy things. They're going to the fights. They're going out. They're hanging out. You know, they're having their good times. Their little weekend parties, and they will all come over. So um, I kind of like emulated them. So whatever styles that they had on at the time, I never asked them. You know, hey, uncle, was that such and such, or was that such and such? Or auntie, what dress you wearing? But they all they all purchased like Italian clothing. So I would say Europe. It, you know, different things that they would buy and put together. Um, those were more so my inspirations. The designer aspect didn't come until I actually got into the industry, until I got on Fashion Avenue and I started learning and studying um, after my, my tenure in interior design. That's how the whole fabric situation came in, which you see back here, all the original fabrications that I've done. <laughs> that took a, a long time. <laughs> I was trying to see some of the things uh, that you had in the back, and I thought, mm-hmm, another home I'd like to go and clean. <laughs> yeah, this is my creative lab, pretty much. Um, the, the, the whole fabric situation from interior design, that's how I got into um, wanting to create my own aesthetic in, in fabrications because I felt like, you know, the big designers – the, the big names of the, of the world, 
the ones who are the big names now because they have so many generations ahead of me. They had their own aesthetic or their own look or their own signature. So for me, being an artist, I had to create different textile patterns. From those textile patterns, I had to apply them to the different fabrics, the different yarns. So I had to use real yarns, real silks, real cottons. You know, I instead of instead of um, and I'm going a little bit ahead, instead of taking all my my earnings, <laughs> you know, getting the Maybach and the big house, I had to go and reinvest that into creating my own textile patterns and, my, and getting to know the factories and traveling overseas and living over there so I can be able to build um, the business of fashion, you know, and the business was in the fabrics and the fabrications and the textile patterns that I originally own from start to finish. <laughs> oh, that is really, I mean, that, that is inspiring. I mean, it's great that you took to doing this. Some of the designers actually had people designing fabrics for them, which I'm sure is quite costly. Yes. Now, what is fashion to you? Wow. Fashion to me is actually, <laughs> <laughs> fact to me is, is, is an, it's a lifestyle. Um, it's not just clothing, you know, because I do have an interior design background, so I do design furniture as well. And to me, I think fashion is, is a whole lifestyle. So it's when you get up from in the morning to when you go to bed and anything in between that, you know, your car you're driving, the clothes you're wearing, the dishes you may have, your china, your fine china, that's fashion too. You know, um, all the, the interiors, the furniture you may, you may have. So you, that's fashion as well. So I think fashion is pretty much a lifestyle and most people who are into fashion, I think, um, you know, kind of get themselves well-rounded with that, with, with being in that whole lifestyle of it, not just what you're wearing. I think it's, I think it's almost, it's, it's pretty much like a spirit that you have in you and you want this, you know, um, uh, a pair of shoes may be fashionable, but that same pair of shoes, you know, can tie back to uh, the, the fabrication or the textile pattern to your, your club chair. <laughs> and I say that because I do have it like that. <laughs> you know? And I believe it. I'm looking at the way that your canvas is now. That's the art. You have prepped your canvas and I'm looking at your head wrap, your little pocket handkerchief oh, yeah. and all the colors that are blending in subtly, but quite, quite nice. Thank now... You. Please stay with us. We have to do our mandatory break and we will be back shortly with the Foxworth Theory. Welcome back to the Foxworth Theory. If you're just tuning in, our guest today is Tamil Robinson, one of the fashion designers that you should all know about. Now, Tamil. What have you had to sacrifice to be a successful, uh, well, not to be a successful, to be successful in the fashion industry? Wow, that's a <laughs> really, really good question. And, I'm, you know, it's the first time someone asked me that because I had to sacrifice a lot. I really did. 
Um, I can't say I sacrificed my time because I wanted time put in, but I did sacrifice some of the things that would you, you would have in a normal upbringing coming from the inner cities of North New Jersey or the inner cities, period. Like, I, you know, I had to go off in a different, and I had to, and, that, and that's family pretty much because you got to understand something. I'm first generation everything. Um, being born and then going to art school, you know, not going into the conventional way of college and things like that. The doctors, lawyer, no disrespect to any of that because I was, I was born an artistic person, but I had to sacrifice a lot because a lot of people coming from where I came from didn't understand. So for me, it was very frustrating because to band together to do something like this, um, you, you're sacrificing yourself. And I had to sacrifice myself to say, you know what? I'm going to go overseas. I'm going to build relationships. I can't stay here anymore. Um, you know, I had to do the best I can financially. So that was a big sacrifice as well. And then trying to have a family and doing that and they're not understanding that was that was really, really hard. And it, it hurt a lot. It hurt a lot. Um, it, it hurt some people. But to the fact where I was OK with it because they really didn't understand. So I can't blame them. So it was a big sacrifice for me because I had to leave the country. Nobody in my family ever said, OK, I'm going to go to China. I'm going to go to Europe. I'm going to live here. I'm you know, unless it was you know, for the armed services and things like that, they could understand that, you know, doing what I'm doing, you can't really fathom that. You can to a certain extent, but not the way that I'm doing this. I'm doing this as a fashion house. And when, like the question you asked, what is fashion? This fashion here is a house. And this house consists of everything fashion. That's not just clothing, it's everything. It's interiors. It's the interior of your car. It's so many different things and so many different licenses and different things of fashion business that I had to learn that in turn, my, my people and then, you know, where, where we come from, you can't fathom that. You can always fathom the next rapper. You can fathom that coming out of the hood. You can fathom the next ball player, the next LeBron. You can fathom the next Jay-Z. You can fathom the next even Michael Jackson. But to fathom... Of a, a true fashion house, what we're doing at the level of an LVMH, which in turn, you know, they own a whole conglomerate of things. So for me, it's not just about my label, which is Amiya. It's about the TRG umbrella, which I would I would have I would need the, the knowledge, the experience, the know how, the financing, the investors to really pull that off. So that means it's an Amiya brand. There's a Foxworth brand. There's a Mike brand. You know, there's an Angelo brand. So it's more so than not like an LVMH, but they will understand a Barry Gordy thing because Barry Gordy had Motown. In Motown, he had the Supremes. He had the Temptations. He had the Four Tops. So I have to put it in that context to my folks so they can understand how this thing goes because they really can't grasp it. You know, they only can grasp what they see a brand in a store and you buying it and you put it, but it's more to that. So I had to pull back my fashion sense. I had to pull back my talent and separate myself and learn the business of fashion. And that took me leaving, which was very, very hard to do. 
but you are an artist. And most of our successful uh, singers, when I say art, it encompasses everything. And, and that's who you are. You know, people say artists. Yes, artists have had, especially artists that are Black, they had to go to Europe, whether they were musicians, jazz musicians, or whomever. And you had to go there. Um, men and women that we all know, know that, hey, their success came in Japan or their success came in Italy. What people don't know is that the Italian designers came to the United States and a lot of the designs that they use, of course, they had more money, came from the hood the or the <laughs> inner city, you know, and you were seeing it everywhere. Right now, there have been a few errors because they forgot they can't do what you do and because that's a part of your culture. And so, hey, I tip my hat to you. I do understand what you did. And hey, you followed your truth. That's why you are a visionary. Now, now the one thing is, what do you love the most about being a fashion designer? I know you love it because you wouldn't be sitting there with all the things around you and dressed as you are. There's a passion in what you do. Wow. The best thing I love about it is I get to, I have the freedom of creativity and that's the best thing about being, you know, loving what I do. Like nobody in the world can tell me how to do this or how to do that. You know, maybe when I get to a factory or something like that, or we get to the artisans or the hand craftsmanship. There's some certain things aesthetically we have to do, you know, to get my vision across. But creatively, mm -hmm. I'm so free. You know, I'm so happy, you know, and I, I want everybody to feel and know that, you know, and that's with anything that you want to do, it, you know, to get that total inner happiness, just create for, to, for what I do creatively. Like, you can't afford that. <laughs> it's, 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 it's priceless. You know, I don't want to sound cliche, but it's really, really priceless. You cannot, you can't afford it. And for me, I try to do it to where you can appreciate it. Um, and, and, you know, seeing, seeing the pieces that I created um, and, and especially with the accessories, that's the, you know, I've always wanted to get into that. So that took an involvement. That took a lot of time to build the right relationships and get with the right artisans and, these guys are so incredible. They do everything, you know, they, they make from Paris. They do a lot. And they, I had to teach them before we even made one sample. I had to teach them four years, my aesthetic, before we even made one sample. <laughs> so that was for me, you know, the, just that I love doing that to, to, to teach and to give the knowledge of how this first generation house wants to do it and where it's going to go. So that's, that's the part I love. And I know that you do. It, it's it, your expression, your feeling. And I don't think you made a sacrifice. I think all you did was embellish that which was in your mind and you made it come through as a visionary. Now, according to you, 
What are the skills that are necessary to becoming a successful designer? I know you four years you've taught the people to work with you, but I want to know your thoughts. Wow. I mean, for me, as far as the artisans go, you know, the, the craftsmanship, they, they have to be very skilled at what they do and the different textiles. And, you know, I deal with, I deal with leathers too. And that's like a whole new world for me because now I'm actually really dealing with it in footwear and in handbags and different accessories that way. And their skill set is, is very, very good. But it all starts from my skill set, which is the artistic. And I draw it out first before we even put it into a technical package or a blueprint, you know, if you understand it that way. I actually hand draw this out so you can actually see it. So for me, um, the skill set starts with me artistically. Then it goes to them craftsmanship wise. And these are like the best. These are like the last, <laughs> the last of the Mohegans. So I would have to teach younger, a younger generation to get that handset if they want to become skilled in, you know, learning how to do accessories or footwear or something like that. That's what I want to do. I want to be able to pass this along to another younger generation, especially the inner city generation where we, um, we buy so much. I wanted to actually get them involved and how to make and invest in different brands like this. You're creating your legacy. Now, at this time, we have to take a break and we will return to the Foxworth Theory. Please stay with us. If you're late tuning in, you are listening to the Foxworth Theory. And our guest today is Tamil Robinson. You've missed some very, very positive thoughts, but you can catch up later. What individual has had the greatest influence on you, Tamil? Wow. I mean, oh. <laughs> as far as in the flesh. <laughs> Could be in the flesh, could be on paper, could be underground. Someone you read about. I mean, I would have to say my art teachers, you know, especially Miss Caldwell, she actually was like a second mother to me at art school. And I could have went a whole nother way coming from Newark, <laughs> you know, wanting to be out there and everything like that. So she really, you know, kept me grounded when I was at our high school and kept me in to concentrate more on my talent. So I really, really, you know, you know, God rest her soul. I do a lot. She used to come and visit me a lot at my airbrush shops and things like that. And she always would even give me more pointers and things from school where I would, you know, maybe forgotten about or something like that. But she was always there for me. You know, I've, I've had a few mentors that were, they're no longer here, but they set me on the right path to continue what I'm doing. Although they did not know I was going to even be into fashion, it was just more concentrating on my on my innate talent, you know, the, the skills that I have, the artistic ability that I have, because mm -hmm. I've already done things while they were here, you know, for Reebok and NFL, um, which actually catapulted me into the global situation and was able to 
I was able to segue those relationships and build onto different things and get into sports licensing. So if they were, they were really real, they kept me on that path. So I would never have been, been able to have gotten there um, if it weren't for them. That's curious that you should say that. Um, were you involved with the sports as a kid? Like, I mean, hanging around and then your friends being involved because you're mentioning Reebok and how you got into it. I mean, you know, I, I love sports. I didn't get into fashion with sports. I don't even have any sports figures that have worked with me in my profession. So how did you get to Reebok? I mean, this is, this is more than a success story. As close as I've gotten to Reebok is a pair of shoes from Reebok. Well, I, I, um, when, I, when I got on Fashion Avenue really quick, um, I was able to use my artistic talent, creating different looks in the sports. You know, sports and the hip hop culture had went head to head. Mm-hmm. Not um, in a rebuttal, but in a fusion. So those street looks started, well, the street looks started adapting the sport looks and vice versa. So I was introduced to some people at Puma. I used to do some things for Puma at the time. And then from Puma, it went from Reebok. And then from Reebok, it went to, you know, me working with the Allen Iverson collection and doing all of those things before, like, because, because of the urban fashion scene that came on and the sports industry, the whole industry, like the whole world started um, grasping to the, to the urban hip hop scene because it was becoming a phenomenon that was with music, that was with styling, that was with clothing, that was everything that we were making. And don't forget, before all of that, there was something called the Black Expo. The Black Expo went from town to town. I traveled this mm-hmm. whole thing. And this was with my T-shirts at the time. So those were more, you know, sporty looking. So it would be more of like a sports look. And for when, the, when the Black Expo was around, that's when all the other brands started coming up, the Cross Colors and all those different brands. And they started making this really, really big frenzy. And from there, when the industry caught on to it, they started segueing us over to this place in Vegas called Magic. <laughs> that was a trade show. And that trade show killed the Black Expo because that conglomerate and everybody running over there and then the whole world, you know, latching into the whole urban thing and the whole hip hop thing, it kind of sucked it into like it did with hip hop music. Hip hop music was very underground at first before it got to the Grammys. So this is the same thing. Now, from urban, from streetwear to sportswear to sports licensing, it all encompasses streetwear. It all encompasses the urban culture, like everything that's being done right now, if you see on the runways and in videos and on TikTok, and it's all the dancing, like everything is all encompassing that. So that's how sports found me and I, I found sports because I was a big sports, a big sports fan. I love football, NFL. So it was it wasn't really anything that I had to, you know, you know, grasp on. So I was always into sports. Not so much now. Huh? 
<laughs> now I, I was laughing. I was saying, mm. I thought, oh, no, he's doing something else because no. No, yeah. but you know what you said? Philadelphia. I remember the Black Expo. And you were right near. I mean, Philadelphia and Newark, I don't, it seemed to be, to me, it comes together. Then they did the Black Expo on the pier, of, well, where the piers are, here in New York City. And um, I know everything it has been that we're seeing now in our communities, we've been there, we've done it, but financially, we weren't able at that particular time to expand. Is that, that's what you're telling me, is that not? Pretty much, pretty much. Right, but my uh, hats off again to you. I don't have too many hats left, but I've given you most of them because I love fashion, love fashion. <laughs> So now, how have you been, um, how can I say it, able to help others and lift those others out of the community while maintaining your career as a fashion designer? And I know that you said that it has, you know, what happens within the community, what happened with your, you know, growing up, having to go to Europe. Um, what have you given back as a fashion designer within uh, your community? Um, I've, well, I always used to go and speak at my school, my alma mater, Arts High. Um, I did do a few guest professorships at FIT, where I was the art critic, and they would win um, a Tamil Robinson Award at the end of the semester. So they, you know, the students. So I did go to FIT to do some mentoring to the kids there. Um, also, the inner city, period. And that goes from Newark to Oakland. <laughs> um, I was able to connect myself with a lot of different people. And they still call me now, especially since social media. I still reach, people still reach out to me. Like, how did you do that? Like, how did you, can you help me? You know, I'm trying to launch this brand. And that's what that's what TRG is about. And that's the Tamil Robinson group. And that group actually reaches out information wise or we're able to help some emerging brand or some person who has an idea but doesn't have the 30 years I have or doesn't have mm -hmm. the relationships that I have. Don't forget, I've I got three decades to this. And most of the most of the people that come out now, they're just babies. So they're, they're really young, but at the same time, social media is having them run so fast. They have to go and grab the next t-shirt or grab the next this. They have to stand the business of fashion. So I help them with that. So when a person reaches out to me, they're thinking they're getting this little simple answer and I'm giving it all this knowledge. They're like, whoa, this is a whole different, a whole different, this is a whole different situation, but they go, can we, can we talk really, really talk? So for me, that makes me feel good. That's giving back. And they have hope, too. It's like, wow, this is somebody that looks like me that did this. He got Tom Brady wearing his uniforms. Allen Iverson wearing, you know, so not just Tom Brady, <laughs> the whole the whole Hall of Famers, <laughs> you know. But mm -hmm. those experiences had to be shared because on TV or, you know, Tom Brady's not going to say, well, Tamil designed this. They're not going to do that. So. To me, that's that's corporate. 
So I have to bring all of that to help that person get that knowledge so they can understand, wow, this is a big playing field. I can play here. I can play this position. I can do this. It's not just me making a shirt and then putting it out there. It may be something they want to be a merchandiser or they want to get into the fabrics or they want to get into traveling and making the, the deals overseas to help their brand. So I'm that conduit. I love it. I love it. Fubu <laughs> has nothing over you. <laughs> Sorry about that, Damon. <laughs> running, running to, don't forget, like all those brands, Damon, you know, call Jones and Cross Calls, call Cannot. Don't forget, we all used to run back in the day with um, at the Black Expos. We started with the Black Expos first. So before the Black Expos, we all knew each other young in the game. So even though they've done big, big things, you have to understand, I'm totally independent. <laughs> Can't nobody say they own TRG, Tamil Robinson, nothing. Can't nobody tell me I'm fired. <laughs> I love it. And that's how I feel. That's how I feel. Just loving this conversation. Now, I'm going to ask you now that we said this, so my goodness. Who are some celebrities you have worked with, you've answered it, and styled or helped to achieve that stunning look? I, you know what? Besides the sports figures, I mean, I see a lot of uh, uh, new outfits with the glitter, with the studs and things. I mean, the shoes I can't afford. You know, you can almost buy a car with the prices now or put a down payment on it with some of the prices. <laughs> I mean, right now, um, I'm such in a development mode. I do have opportunities to work with different celebrities, like a few of them that I'm in talks with now. But I'm such in a development mode that um, I'm really not there yet as far as like, you know, I, it's, it's simple for us to go and, you know, call stylists and get because I know a lot of stylists. Hey, Tamil, we want to put this on such and such. We want to put I'm just not there yet. You know, to be honest, um, I still want to get things developed because I want everybody to appreciate the word house, because that's very, very important right now to what I'm doing. Don't get me wrong. We're going to launch bags. We're going to launch shoes. We're going to launch things. But as far as the celebrity situation, um, that has to come when I'm ready. <laughs> mm -hmm. Pretty much. And that's when it should be. And you'll know when you're ready, because. You are focused. You're an artist. You're an artist with a vision. I mean, you know, what more can one ask for? You've got it all. Now, who have you not worked with that you would like to work with? Wow. As far <laughs> as, you mean, that's, that's, that's vast. <laughs> that's, I don't know. You know, I don't know. I, I like to collaborate with anybody. But it has to be a win-win situation and it has to really mean something. You know, when you see these jazz artists collaborating with each other, you know, that music means something to them. Mm -hmm. You know, when you see, you know, Harvey Mason, Nathan, these, these guys get together and, you know, they jam up. And I mean, I want to do something like that. I want to do something where, like, it means something. I don't want to just do, okay, well, Nike calls me and we want to do, you know, Nike only going to call me when it blows up. So of course. Me, I don't really, you know, that's not going to feel right to me. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
So I, I'd rather stay. I just want to stay our course of what I'm doing and let it evolve from there. Even if it passed my lifetime, I still have five other daughters that's going to take the reign, you see? So you can't tell my nine-year-old she's not going to be doing this. <laughs> so that's why I'm, all, I'm, I'm, I'm good with my fate. So there you go. They, they, may, they may get into the whole celebrity thing way before I will, but um, if it comes, it comes, and it has to come at the right time, that's something that has to be anointed from God pretty much. <laughs> and I believe in that because it's already written as to what you're going to do. At this moment, we're going to have to take a break from the Foxworth Theory, and we will be back shortly. Thank you. Welcome back to the Foxworth Theory. If you're just tuning in, our guest today is Tamil Robinson, one of the fashion designers that you should all know about. Now, Tamil, what have you had to sacrifice to be a successful, uh, well, not to be a successful, to be successful in the fashion industry? Wow, that's a <laughs> really, really good question. And, I'm, you know, it's the first time someone asked me that because I had to sacrifice a lot. I really did. Um, I can't say I sacrificed my time because I wanted time put in, but I did sacrifice some of the things that would you, you would have in a normal upbringing coming from the inner cities of North New Jersey or the inner cities, period. Like, I, you know, I had to go off in a different and I had to. And, that, and that's family pretty much because you got to understand something. I'm first generation, everything um, being born and then going to art school, you know, not going into the conventional way of college and things like that, the doctor's lawyer, no disrespect to any of that because I was, I was born an artistic person, but I had to sacrifice a lot because a lot of people coming from where I came from didn't understand. So for me, it was very frustrating because to band together, to do something like this, um, you, you're sacrificing yourself. And I had to sacrifice myself to say, you know what? I'm going to go overseas. I'm going to build relationships. I can't stay here anymore. Um, you know, I had to do the best I can financially. So that was a big sacrifice as well. And then trying to have a family and doing that and they're not understanding. That was that was really, really hard. And it, it hurt a lot. It hurt a lot. Um, it, it hurt some people. But to the fact where. I was okay with it because they really didn't understand. So I can't blame them. So it was a big sacrifice for me because I had to leave the country. Nobody in my family ever said, okay, I'm going to go to China. I'm going to go to Europe. I'm going to live here. I'm you know, unless it was, you know, for the armed services and things like that, they could understand that, you know, doing what I'm doing, you can't really fathom that you can to a certain extent, but not the way that I'm doing this. I'm doing this as a fashion house. And when, like the question you asked, what is fashion? This fashion here is a house. And this house consists of everything fashion. That's not just clothing, it's everything. It's interiors, it's the interior of your car. It's so many different things and so many different licenses and different things of fashion business 
that I had to learn that in turn, my my people and then, you know, where, where we come from, you can't fathom that. You can always fathom the next rapper. You can fathom that coming out of the hood. You can fathom the next ball player, the next LeBron. You can fathom the next Jay-Z. You can fathom the next even Michael Jackson. But to fathom a, a, a true fashion house, what we're doing at the level of an LVMH, which in turn, you know, they own a whole conglomerate of things. So for me, it's not just about my label, which is Amiya. It's about the TRG umbrella, which I would, I would have, I would need the, the knowledge, the experience, the know-how, the financing, the investors to really pull that off. So that means there's an Amiya brand, there's a Foxworth brand, there's a Mike brand, you as an Angelo brand. So it's more so than not like an LVMH, but they would understand a Barry Gordy thing because Barry Gordy had Motown. In Motown, he had the Supremes, he had the Temptations, he had the Four Tops. So I have to put it in that context to my folks so they can understand how this thing goes because they really can't grasp it. You know, they only can grasp what they see a brand in a store and you buying it and you put it, but it's more to that. So I had to pull back my fashion sense. I had to pull back my talent and separate myself and learn the business of fashion. And that took me leaving, which was very, very hard to do. <laughs> but you are an artist and most of our successful uh, singers, when I say art, it encompasses everything. And, and that's who you are. You know, people say artists. Yes, artists have had, especially artists that are Black, they had to go to Europe, whether they were musicians, jazz musicians, or whomever. And you had to go there. Um, men and women that we all know, know that, hey, they're successful came in Japan or their success came in Italy. What people don't know is that the Italian designers came to the United States and a lot of the designs that they used, of course, they had more money, came from the hood the or <laughs> the inner city. You know, and you're seeing it everywhere. Right now, there have been a few errors because they forgot they can't do what you do and because that's a part of your culture. And so, hey, I tip my hat to you. I do understand what you did. And hey, you followed your truth. That's why you are a visionary. Now, now the one thing is, what do you love the most about being a fashion designer? I know you love it because you wouldn't be sitting there with all the things around you and dressed as you are. There's a passion in what you do. Wow. The best thing I love about it is I get to, I have the freedom of creativity and that's the best thing about being, you know, loving what I do. Like nobody in the world can tell me, how to do this or how to do that. You know, maybe when I get to a factory or something like that, or we get to the artisans or the hand craftsmanship, there's some certain things aesthetically we have to do, you know, to get my vision across. But creatively, mm -hmm. I'm so free, you know, I'm so happy, you know, and I, I want everybody to feel and know that, 
you know, and that's with anything that you want to do, it, you know, to get that total inner happiness, just create for, for what I do creatively, like you can't afford that. <laughs> it's, 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 it's priceless. You know, I don't want to sound cliche, but it's really, really priceless. You cannot, you can't afford it. And for me, I try to do it to where you can appreciate it. Um, and, and, you know, seeing, seeing the pieces that I created, um, and, and especially with the accessories, that's the, you know, I've always wanted to get into that. So that took an involvement that took a lot of time to build the right relationships and get with the right artisans and, these guys are so incredible. They do everything, you know, they, they make from Paris. They do a lot. And they, I had to teach them before we even made one sample. I had to teach them four years, my aesthetic, before we even made one sample. <laughs> so that was for me, you know, the, just that I love doing that to, to, to teach and to give the knowledge of how this first generation house wants to do it and where it's going to go. So that's, that's the part I love. And I know that you do. It, it's it, your expression, your feeling. And I don't think you made a sacrifice. I think all you did was embellish that which was in your mind and you made it come through as a visionary. Now, according to you, what are the skills that are necessary to becoming a successful designer. I know you, four years you've taught the people to work with you, but I want to know your thoughts. Wow. I mean, for me, as far as the artisans go, you know, the, the craftsmanship, they, they have to be very skilled at what they do and the different textiles. And, you know, I deal with, I deal with leathers too. And, that's like a whole new world for me because now I'm actually really dealing with it in footwear and in handbags and different accessories that way. And their skill set is, is very, very good, but it all starts from my skill set, which is the artistic. And I draw it out first before we even put it into a technical package or a blueprint. You know, if you understand it that way, I actually hand draw this out so you can actually see it. So for me, um, the skill set starts with me artistically then it goes to them craftsmanship wise and these are like the best these are like the last <laughs> the last of the mohegans so i would have to teach younger a younger generation to get that handset if they want to become skilled in you know learning how to do accessories or footwear or something like that that's what i want to i want to be able to pass this along to another younger generation especially the inner city generation where we um we buy so much. I wanted to actually get them involved in how to make and invest in different brands like this. You're creating your legacy. Now, at this time, we have to take a break and we will return to the Foxworth Theory. Please stay with us. Welcome back to the Foxworth Theory. Just in case you're just tuning in, our special guest today is fashion designer Tamil Robinson. Now, Tamil, what's next for you? I know we've talked about so many things, but there's got to be one thing that you're doing that I don't want you to hold out on for our audience and myself. 
Well, right now, next is the accessories. Um, that's what I've been working on really, really hard. Like I said, it took me five plus years to really get that down pat, to put it together, to get the aesthetic correct, to get all of the styles that have continuity. Um, I'm still doing injection molds for the soles. So for the sneakers, because I want to have my own creativity for the soles. So that's right now what I'm trying to get really, really done so we can actually have a nice launch for that because those very, they're very, very special bags. I'll show you one. <laughs> so you can Ooh. see. Yeah, definitely. Um, this one has been getting a lot of attention, you know, from the insiders, the who's who's and fucking. Well, this is this is the dust cover. So you can see. Oh, wow. If that's the dust cover, I can carry my things around with me every day. Yeah, this is this is actually this is the geo pattern. So you can see the Amiot logo. Yes. Throughout the geo pattern. And so now I'm going to get this bag out of here. Out I'm of so excited. I'm going through the screen. I'm <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> so you see the handle here. Oh, I love it. Yeah, the handle is the shape of the logo. So we had to actually get this mold done. I actually drew the mold oh. out and you can see the aesthetic of the Amiot logo in the flap. And oh, yes. See the, the Amiot lock set. Yes. And then inside, you see the geo pattern that's in the same blue as the dust cover. It's fabulous. <laughs> it's fabulous. Thank you. So this is the back. That's great. And it's leather. Oh, yeah. Now, oh, I know. I can tell. Uh, this, this is the best quality. I know everybody's going to toot their own horn with their own product, but I can honestly say this is the best quality leather because, for one, um, they're not allowed to slaughter animals here. So these, mm -hmm. these cows actually die. So a lot of people say, oh, it's vegan leather. There's no such thing as that. Yeah. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. You know, it's no such thing as vegan leather. It's, it's, it's either real or fake. I wanted to, I, my fabrics are real. You know, the best world, the best Dupion silk, the best silk fabrics or whatever it may be. So I wanted, to, I wanted to deal with the best leathers in the world. And I wanted to deal with the best craftsmanship. Um, artisans of the world. So all of the leather you see here, even in this bag here, this, this uh, double, yeah, this is a double satchel, double handle satchel. So you can hear the quality of the. Oh gosh, yes. Yeah. I love it. And yeah. it's in black. Oh yeah, this one's in black. I wear black. I love okay. black. Oh, oh. Wow. wow. Yes. Do I get a discount? Because I like discounts. So you can actually see the sneaker actually in the oh, same leather. They're fabulous. And that's that I won't wear unless you put a heel on them, but it's fabulous. Oh, well, we, we're going to have to do that then. <laughs> or extra lift, you know. Here's, here's, my belt, here's my belt bag that I wear. Oh, I love that's it. it. And that's in, the actual left, that's in the actual shape of the logo. So I actually wear this bag, and a lot of people have been stopping me on the street and saying, where'd you get this bag? <laughs> you know, and I don't, I don't go through the story because, you know, they'll see it when they see it. Uh, exactly. You better hide it because someone may pass you on the street and copy it. Well, you know what? <laughs> you know, it happens when it happens. But I do get but I do get a chance to post some of the creatives, the creative side of the bag. So this way, mm -hmm. when I do get copy, hey, you see the post was up a year ago, <laughs> you know, or two years ago. So I'm cool with it. I'm cool with it. No, not a problem. 
Yeah, you're, you're gonna get trolled on no matter what you do, creative. Absolutely. With the big boys. And I for me, I do admire them, you know, but you gotta understand something. They got 200 plus years over me. <laughs> yes, that's true, but guess what? Quality. Oh yeah. Is important. And Thank what you have is quality because they may rip off some of the top designers, but when you look at it, you know those of us that love fashion, and I'm one of those, um, you know, when you see someone with the bag with the C and you go, honey, you need a new pair of shoes. Why did you buy that? You know that. So, you know, immediately, but now I have enjoyed talking to you. Thank you. Um, I really have. And I will say one thing. Um, I can't be selfish and hide you, as I was saying. Hide your bag, hide your design. Your designs are marvelous. And I do want to um, come visit. Now, I, <laughs> so right now, how would people find you? How would everyone find you? I appreciate it. I mean, everybody, you know, the best way to get to me is just go to amiatluxury.com. That's www.amiatluxury.com. Today, I want to thank you, and I want to thank our uh, team. I want to thank the Harlem American Digital Network and Voice of America Variety Channel. Thank the audience. Thank you as our guests for joining us, and stay safe, be healthy. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Foxworth Theory. Be sure to join us for new shows every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And the shows are also available on the Harlem America Digital Network. We'll talk again next week.